Hello there, I'm Tim and he's John and this is How to Murder Time, a podcast about games and things. Hello everybody. Watcher. We're back. I forgot to start there. You did forget yeah, to start talking. Yeah, because like, the little like, red thing on the top. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're up, we're live. Hello. I'm getting quite good at this, I think. Yeah. Mm. No, we don't do live anymore. That no, was too much effort. No, no. <laughs> streaming, yes. Uh, yes, uh, have you been? Yeah. Okay, good. I just watched a 24-hour car race on the <laughs> oh, is that, that Le Mans thing is it Le Mans yeah mm, did you watch the entire thing well I took two hours you look, out you look to, quite wired I took two hours out to uh, watch um, Black Panther okay but apart from not that, actually yes. sleep then or no, no, no I didn't no, sleep no. Oh, I right, okay of, it was a bit boring, uh, so yes. Yeah, okay, fair enough. That, uh, again, it's a fact. This is coming recorded a week before it's oh, released. Oh well, whatever. Yeah. They don't mind. Um, I'm gonna start with a thing. Go on then. We have a commit. I've, I've decided we need a commitment to things, yeah. instead, as well as just games, because we talk about computer games quite a lot, and there's other stuff. We are rounded people. Um, yes, yes, I need to talk about the Hugo Awards. Um, are they still going? The Hugo Award for Best Novel 2018, a long-running science fiction accolade, uh, which I am not doing this year. Because it drives you insane. Well, I did. T- I've done two in a row, and this is the third. This would have been the third year, but I just got well. For starters, I'm quite busy this time of year with hiking and, and yeah. general other other activities and things. And um, yeah, I can't remember how much it was. About fifty quid to take part in it all. To you know, to support to buy a supporting membership of the uh, the Hugo Worldcon thing. I think it's in San Diego this time around, something like that. Anyway, but. It's just the workload of it. There are six nominees again. I could just about do it. No one else reads them all. Well, I don't know. It just seems unfair and wrong to not read them all if you're going to then you vote pick, as to which one is the best the one. You pick the author, and vote for them. Well, I think that perhaps a lot of that does happen, yeah. I mean, I... I it's the only way to explain the popularity of Kim Stanley Robinson. <laughs> well, I mean, I quite enjoyed his stuff. I would have voted for his in those years. That's, that's, that's all very well. But you have to read the thing to be able to form a, a, a valid and genuine opinion on stuff, surely. No. Otherwise, you've just got the internet haven't you where people don't experience anything and just have huge opinions on stuff and apparently those are valid podcast. Oh, we're on the internet, aren't we? We're part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, we are. We yeah, really sorry. are part of the problem. Sorry. Um, yeah, so anyway, I've decided that instead of go mad trying to read six, four, four, four to seven hundred page novels in they the space of two, two, two or three months. No one does a nice concise novel anymore. Well, the voter pack. So you you, you, vote, you join, you, you pay your money and they, they send you back all your forms and stuff and when the time comes you get to go online to the special website with your little code and do your voting and stuff and that's fine. You sort of, and they got weird. The voting gets weird each year. They keep changing how it works. Sometimes yeah. there's like a weird runoff thing where if your chosen person doesn't win, then all of you, all of the votes are transferred to who gets second place. It just gets really confusing. There's no just straight that's the best one tick. You know, uh, it's not really a straight popular vote as far as I can tell. I don't know. The maths are confusing. But anyway, um, yeah. So you you get. You get Voter Pack with it, which essentially is a special place on their website with your special code that you can go to, and you can download PDFs. And mostly these are excerpts. I'm not sure even they expect you to read the entire of each book. But I I got into the habit of just going out and literally buying each of the the nominees, because then you can read the whole thing in full. Uh, And I didn't want to think like I was paying 50 quid to try and get some sort of freebie, humble bundle type science fiction download pack, you know? And I don't know. I mean... Paying 50 quid to get six books 
it's about about the same. I can't. I think I probably paid more than fifty quid for the six books. I, I they're, they're, they're about sort of yeah, ten or eleven quid a go. I think generally. No, books ninety nine p on order on well, Amazon now. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, maybe. Anyway, long story short, I couldn't be bothered this year. I've, I've, I've just given up. <laughs> I, I respect the attitude. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, path of least resistance and all that. I am still interested though. But what I decided I'd do is I'd just spend this sort of this three or four months, you know, living a, living a different life, um, doing stuff and going places, uh, and then just go and buy, buy and read whoever gets picked as the winner. Anyway, where, which happens in August. Um, so we'll have, I'll do a little update then. But you could take it on your next hike. Yeah, yeah, I could do. Uh, no, because no, to... they're quite heavy, yeah. and I don't really do audiobooks. You get time to read on a hike. <laughs> Not really, no. It's, it's quite relentless, hiking and Cliffs. Getting, going mad in your mind. Um, no time for reading. Uh, and yes, you can't. Keep your, eye, keep your eye on the path as well. Getting blown out to see, yeah, that nearly happened too. Um, yeah, but anyway, I thought I'd have a quick little look at the, the list. The nominees are here. I'll, I'll, I'll quick, have a quick look through and see what I would have been voting for, would have been reading. So, You've got a new phone yet? This is, no, no, I kept this phone. They keep offering me a new phone every couple of years, but yeah. I know, I, I love this one. It's brilliant. And it's a, it's my camera for hiking. Yeah, sure. And it's a slightly oversized one for people with big hands as well, which I quite like. Uh, yeah, so the nominees for 2008 Best Novel, John Scalzi, The Collapsing Empire. I had a quick look on Wikipedia's plot synopsis for each of these so that I'm marginally informed. Don't like it. Of course, the viewer can just click on Wikipedia and have a look themselves. I don't like it. it it's not a very well-formulated uh, idea for a What do you book. think it's about? And it just it drags out too much <laughs> towards the end. <laughs> you're, just, you're going to say that for all of the money. No, no, you're doing completely different. Okay, right. So The Collapsing Empire, as far as I can tell, according to Wikipedia... It's set in space. It's a space and one. And it's about the collapse of civilization. It pretty much does do what it says on the tin. It's about a, a future galactic human empire, which is connected by wormhole technologies of some sort, and it's all a bit weird about how that uh-huh. Uh, and these wormhole technology is suddenly coming to an end or collapsing or falling apart and it's, it's, it's it seems to be a kind of examination study of what happens to an interstellar empire when it's communication it's 40k links, fan so. fiction isn't it <laughs> is that, um, <laughs> yes I suppose perhaps yeah um, but it, it's, like, it's, it's like a sort of inter, interstellar intergalactic post-apocalyptic kind of novel trying to charting and detailing how it all falls apart and yes it's a 40k it, it, it's the bit they haven't touched in 40k yet well the Warhammer 30k, how it well, all no, got there. Before that, the bit where... The um, 20k, wow. No, when it was all high-tech and yeah. then it collapses in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so so that's that's uh, that's that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the okay. thing. Uh, so the, that's not going to win because it's a 40k report. I don't know. Well, John Scalzi won for Red Shirts. Yeah, he did, and that, that was... We found quite interesting. We did that on when we were covering the book it, reviews. It, it was quite interesting, but... It was also, a sort of parody Star Trek thing, but, but it had it, quite it, a deeper it undercurrent. It was also so far up its own arse. It was that, very far up its own arse, yeah. yeah. But he did win the Hugo that year. So. Yeah, that's because people at you vote for it. So, so Scalzi, a previous winner. Yeah. Uh, Kim Stanley Robinson is back. This is an overly long, <laughs> drivelly thing that <laughs> concentrates far too much on clever insights into psychology, which are nothing like that. You're joining us for Newsnight Review. Um, yes, this is Kim Stanley Robinson's New York 2140. Uh, and as far as I can tell from the Wikipedia write-up... I really Has he made the mistake of not setting Wikipedia. it far enough in the future? Wikipedia doing the hard work so I don't have to. Um, well, 2140. So basically... This is a story, essentially a, a climate change, global warming catastrophe story of the future. New York is about 50 metres underwater, and on Wikipedia page there's, a, there's quite a sort of quite a, a sort of small bit at the bottom saying, uh, this wouldn't really happen in real life, there isn't yeah. enough water on the earth to cause this level. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, Everyone lives up on the skyscrapers. Well, that's it. Lower Manhattan has become a kind of sort of island Venice type thing, um, and I presumably it's an in-depth roller coaster of, of psychological analysis 
of various different character profiles, much like Red Mars, I imagine. Yeah. Well, Kim Stanley Robinson does very good politics and very good people and motivations. And his science fiction's pretty good too, is his science of the science fiction. I, I really enjoyed Red Mars. I, I dispute the good motivations. Well, perhaps. The people in Red Mars were all idiots. They were, they were all idiots, but they were well-realised <laughs> idiots who followed their idiocy consistently throughout, I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, so... Next. So, well, Robinson won previous Hugo's for Green Mars and Blue Mars, although Red Mars didn't win. That's because Red Mars is terrible. Although Green Mars and Blue Mars are worse. <laughs> You're not really... I'm not a massive fan of his work. Not a fan, OK. So then we At got, least that one's not based on 40k. It's not based on 40k, as far as I can tell, no. Uh, Anne Leckie... Uh, Did pro- you know provenance. that... Oh, yeah, what? Uh, that's, uh, oh, what was that film that was uh, meant to be a 40k film? 40k film? Uh Thingy. I've forgotten his name anyway. Mm. Keep going. All right. Uh, so Anne Leckie... Anne Leckie? Leckie. Uh, yes. Provenance. It, this is set in the Imperial Raged universe. This is Ancillary Mercy, Ancillary Justice, Ancillary the other one. Um, the, but th- those, are a th- those are a trilogy, whereas this is in the same universe but not a sequel. Okay, so I can approve of that. More of the same kind of yeah. backstory and stuff. I didn't really get as far in as what it was actually about. The Wikipedia was quite sparse on that one, so blame them, not me. Um, she obviously won with Ancillary mercy or justice or one of them and then sort of nominated but didn't win for another of that series third one of that series which i actually read i read the first i read the first and third of that series didn't get around to the middle one i liked them they were good yeah. um I, I, I don't think the series should continue <laughs> winning you can only get to an award for one of them in my rules well this is it breaking away from an established trilogy where you've got readers who've bought into the characters and want to see what happens next versus well now i want to try something different that that that, get, that can be quite a tricky move so i don't know i'm not sure how we'd, we'd go there uh yoon ha lee's raven stratagem this was a the sequel to that, nine fox gambit which was a nominee last year or the year before and that, i read and was i quite enjoyed that was the one with the weird calendar maths that science fiction empire that all runs on believing in the same calendar oh yeah that, the that, weird <coughs> weird calendar weapons and stuff like that 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 was the one that wanted to be isaac asimov so badly that it hurts <laughs> I, I liked it i thought it was quite fun and fresh and interesting and there was quite a sort of light brevity to the characterization of it which i quite like this is the sequel to that i might even have a go at that one yeah. myself in my own time because yeah. i did want to find out what happened and the previous one did leave on a bit of a, a, a sequel hook of course i think well yeah um so then we got mer lafferty uh six wakes so i've not heard of this person or the or the author or anything on the book i've read read up on the books and it's essentially a sort of murder mystery okay um it's so (laughs) stop me if this sounds familiar and i'll see if you can make the link and spot the familiarity so the characters wake up on a generation ship traveling between the stars and find that their previous clone they're basically six 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 ex-criminal no they're clones of six criminals who have been who have been who for some reason or another have to be, remain awake to be the crew of the ship as this generation colony ships traveling between the stars only one of them wakes up to find all the others all the other previous clone versions of them all have been killed and she's got no memories of, of what's going on so basically you know who done it ensues um that sounded rather a lot like passengers to me but also, without the creepy stalker plot but. also it's a bit like uh is it the expanse or the other one? I don't know. Yeah, I don't well, they're, they're, they're criminals on a ship with no memory. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's that sort of ontological. Oh, who are we all? Are we all bad people? Who, which one of us done the murders? Yeah. That sort of thing. So that could be interesting. It, could it be depends. Interesting. Depends on the, how tightly well plotted it, it is. It could be interesting and has been interesting multiple times. 
<laughs> it's, it's perhaps a new take on an old idea. I don't know, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, M.K. Jemisin with The Stone Sky, which is the third part in uh, Broken Earth trilogy. Uh, I think it's a trilogy. I'm kind of hoping it's a trilogy. Yeah. She has won both the Hugos of the previous two years. Yeah, that's with, why she's not going to win this time. The previous two installments of this trilogy. But it's going to be the one that's most worthy of winning. Well, I don't know. Yeah, that's it. I mean, she may she may win it as a, well, you know, you've had the other two, then here's the third one. It may, I don't know. It's a very good book. Is, is it? <laughs> there we go. You heard, it. you heard it from the expert. I think, I don't know. I mean, she has... She's a consistent favourite and darling of the Hugo voting public. Uh, yeah. She won previous two, um, and they were they were. I don't know. I like them. They were technically very well accomplished. Interesting sort of post-apocalyptic uh, sort of magic coming up and earthquakes destroying the world all the time and and the and we got some really unlikable protagonists who are constantly angry and bitter all the time yeah. and in a world where everyone else is angry and bitter all the time and are constantly trying to kill each other and backstab each other and stuff it's a, it's not a pleasant read but it is an interesting read i think um and i have because i you know have been trying to do the hugo thing as a as a voting judge bought and read both of the previous two and i found myself i suppose wanting to find out what happens i mean you can't get you know x books into a trilogy and then decide no i don't want to read the last one you can or, or no really you can yeah that is the sane response to do <laughs> if you don't enjoy the other books oh it's sort of, is, uh, anything else is stockholm syndrome is yeah. always like maybe it's maybe. sunk cost fallacy sunk cost. <laughs> perhaps yeah yeah, yeah. Eddings well, should have been shut down years ago, <laughs> and it's this attitude that gets books going. into the wheel of time, and you just feel like you better see it out. Really, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think she might. She's very strong contender. I haven't looked at any bookies' odds or anything. I don't know. Bookies even do bets on this kind of. Oh, they do bets on anything. I don't know, but I think she's got a very strong chance of winning. And in, in, I don't know. It'd be her or Kim Stanley Robinson, I suppose. But I don't, not having actually read any of these, I don't know. It the strengths of the individual books. You don't think so? No. Hmm. He's, he's written quite a bit. Of, he's written quite a bit of stuff since Red, you know, the Mars trilogy, yeah. and none of that seems to have won won anything for him. So, yeah, um, he's had a BBC short story repeated, somewhere. Uh, the science fiction multi part series they did uh, yeah. a couple of years ago, and he was on it talking nonsense. Okay, fair enough. Um, so that's why he didn't win. Because he <laughs> talked nonsense. Fair enough. Yeah, but we talk nonsense. That's why we don't have a Hugo. Oh, we don't win Hugos, yeah. Good point. And there is one we could win. <clears throat> what, the best podcast? Yeah. Yeah, I think you have to kind of talk about science fiction a uh-huh. lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we here we go. Here is our nom- here is our entry for the. Yeah. It's a bit late for the nominations now. I think we we'll have to go for twenty nineteen again. I oh, know. Somebody remind us that we need to win a Hugo next yeah, year. Yeah, we'll just completely retool the podcast around November and and then just relentlessly bang on about Asimov for you know sort yeah. of eight months. And see, Are we see pro anti Asimov? Uh, I don't know. Apparently, he's an awful, awful man. So yeah, uh, but, but a lot of his work is quite good. So it's it's that ability to d- detach the author from the work. You know, is, yeah. is that even allowed? Are we allowed to do that? Is I don't that, think we're same anymore. thing to do or is all Asimov work now terrible you know because we live in the age of Operation Nutri and everyone we ever liked from the 70s turning out to be a terrible sex pest and yeah. Lester so it's difficult to know what it's permissible to like anymore turns out everyone we like now as well is also uh, well yeah, yeah makes you wonder makes you not want to like anything for fear of being associated with yeah. dark things um, let's lighten the tone a bit okay. I'm if what I've learned about the Hugo this year is it's quite nice to have a year off yeah, <laughs> I mean, in the time I would be sitting there frantically reading, I've been working extensively on our Pathfinder campaign. Lots of extracurricular stuff, not in the modules going into that for the Fridays. I've been going on hiking trips. 
Uh, and also, you know, couch to 5K again and, and a bit of dieting and stuff. You know, I mean, I've generally playing lots of games and doing... doing a, it's, it's, it shouldn't be a chore, but I think the scope of the thing is... I almost picked it in the first place as a kind of, oh, this would be a heroic endeavour, you know, yeah. in the same way that I'm trying to play my way through the entire of Lord of the Rings online at the moment. You know, the idea of picking a stupid big thing to do and having a crack at it and the idea of reading, like... Six four hundred page science fiction door stoppers in the space of two or three months that qualified, but I've done it a few times now, and I know I can do it. I've proven that to myself, uh, which just leaves the sort of more nobler reasons you'd you'd get involved in that in the first place. And I'd like to, I'd like to be more involved. I'd like to get involved. I'd like to do my part to promote and, and and lord good science fiction, but it's just such a big job. And and who has that time? It turns out yeah. I don't really anymore. So there we go. I shall yeah. Well, we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit more about it in August when it's actually happened and been and gone and we can talk about you can you can insult whoever won it okay um and I'll probably buy and read the winning book anyway because you know if nothing else this nominee list is a, is a good pointer to decent yeah. science fiction well so. popular science fiction <laughs> yes that's the same thing obviously yeah. so anyway I shall stop boring you with my boring talk about boring books and over to you I'm going to talk about uh, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Okay, yes. I'm which is a small game which was released last year uh, by a company which um, has now been bought by Microsoft. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's about this Celtic-ish girl who is off on a quest to hell. To hell? To hell. Okay. Um, Nordic hell. Yeah, say. I was about to say, I'm sort of crossing our mythologies a bit here. I'm not quite yeah. sure what... Celts believe. Well, she looks Celtic, but she could be a little bit Viking. But mm. yeah, uh, yeah. She basically, um, you're going to you're seeking hell to um, solve some things, oh. uh, and you're carrying a thing which is it's a always... thing which occasionally talks to you and don't think about it too much. And this is a game which, uh, when it starts, mm. one of the initial credits is psychological consultant. Yeah, I was about to say, of the things I'd heard about this game, it's it's. she sounds like quite a troubled woman. And she this is. This is, a, uh, is it a flippant portrayal of mental oh, illness God, for, no. for gameplay purposes? No. Do you have a sanity meter? No. no. Or is it more, a lot of rather more nuanced examination of multiple Actually, personality disorder? it's a really, really interesting thing, which we'll get into in a minute. Yeah. Uh, it's a third-person walking-around thing where you're basically walking through a gorgeous world. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to solve some puzzles, have some fightings, yep. opening doors, that kind of thing. Okay. But all the time you're doing it, you, you're meant to wear, play it with headphones. Right. Uh, instead of speakers, because it, it really does help. And you hear the voices in her head. All of the doubts, all of the congratulations, oh, all, all of the uh, fears, all voiced as you go along. So you walk along... Uh, a plank over a cliff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you've got all of the fear about falling. Uh, when you're uh, fighting, uh, some of the voices in your head say, get up when you get uh, knocked down. Others saying, oh, she can't win, she's not good this enough. This is all variations on her own voice? No, it's, it's various voices. Different voices, okay, yeah, yeah. I don't think I've heard her voice. Ah, okay. Because mm. um, we're quite used to, you know, romping our way through a third-person action shooter and hearing mission control updating yeah. us as to what to do. And it's usually somebody else sat somewhere with an internet connection and a walkie-talkie or whatever, and you just do what they say. No, in this case, it's and random. sometimes that's played with in things yeah. like the Stanley Parable and whatever. But there, There's also um, another voice uh, which talks to you as well mm. for plot reasons. Okay. It's really interesting the way they've done it. It does feel like she's got doubts and is a little bit troubled and uh, isn't quite sure as to what's going on. Mm. And 
it makes a real difference. It's surprising how much of a difference it makes. You come to a puzzle, yeah, and then the voices in your head are, are giving you clues. Yeah, saying do this, do that, or she needs. But to not do all this. of these voices are necessarily reliable. Not well, presumably. Or... No, it okay. just, it, are they all added, on her side? Added, no, well, they're all on her side. Mm. It's just some are more positive than others. Okay. But you know the way it helps you with a puzzle is in these voices as well. So yeah, yeah. You, you hear her thinking as well, which is interesting. So you sort of build your tutorial stuff into that yeah. aspect of it as well, and yeah. it's very subtle the way they've done it, but it works really well. Okay, um, it, it's. Not the most cheerful of games. Mm, yeah, no, I imagine, yeah. Sounds like it's got some quite grim themes to it all. She's not a happy lady. No. And uh, she's not going to a happy place for happy reasons. How does this work with sort of gameplay versus cutscene sort of tonality? Or what I like to call the Tomb Raider problem. Oh, there's no problem at all. Yeah, because the, the Tomb Raider reboot essentially is a ter- is two different games. One of them one of them's a film about a, a vulnerable yeah. girl surviving a terrifying hostage crisis. And the and other one's the other about a monster about killing a monster her way killing everything she comes across with utter competence and no real remorse. I should be replaying that channel as well. And oh, <laughs> oh god, oh god, I'm terrified, <laughs> yeah. I'm terrified. And then like two seconds later, headshot, 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 headshot. And then it's back to oh god, I'm there, I'm freaking out. I can't, I've just killed a man. Can no, I you, kill someone? No, you've actually, killed, you've killed about forty men. I really. think you'll find you're the most uh, skilled killer. <laughs> on this island you are the monster and everything everything needs to be afraid of and it. I was thinking about that and I was thinking it would be an amazing game where you took that and ran with it and so you started to present a sort of almost Jekyll and Hyde style <laughs> actual narrative where that's that's all a part of it all but but yeah so perhaps not quite what this is did but... you run into any trouble no <laughs> bodies everywhere <laughs> somebody keeps killing everyone who is it who is it and, oh it's me uh, oh Mira yeah exactly <laughs> no, this is far more subtle and well written okay good uh, that little bit of yeah dissonance <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, because it's, it's some quite tricky and uncomfortable theme, thematic issues. In a way, you are essentially making a game out of some degree of mental illness. Yeah, and I think <coughs> they've done it quite well. Yeah, um, it's so easy to become really sort of fatuous about that and yeah, just make it into some. You know, oh, they, they haven't done the Cthulhu. Sanity meters. Well, sanity meters are sort of which is stupid. Well, it's a parody, isn't it? I mean, most most Cthulhu stuff, that's, you know, called Cthulhu and the things today, are almost all ironic pastiches of the the Lovecraft stuff there and then. They're not. I mean, the original Lovecraft stuff was terrifying horror stories, and they, yeah. they, they, they there they were. But exactly, he's on the list of people that we're not meant to like anymore. Yeah, because yeah. he was really nasty. Everyone knew what a terrifying yeah. racist he was all the way through. But yeah, his works just scream it out. You know, that's that's not a revelation. But but most of the sort of modern games about that stuff use sanity points as yeah. a kind of oh you're going to go mad and it's you know it's not it's even expected that you can't really win a game of Call of Cthulhu you can just be the last person who's sane you know that yeah. sort of thing well, and that's all part of the joke you know so it's, it's a bit tongue in cheek and so on but you know it's it's interesting when someone decides to make a sort of semi-serious game like the sort yeah. of thing you're talking about yeah. and start to bring in aspects of mental health into it because you start to really walk a quite dangerous line of, of t- just really making it really quite distasteful, I suppose. Yeah. Um, it's not a game that I've put long sessions into because I don't feel that playing it all in one sitting would be a good idea. Mm. It's not a particularly long game either. And I don't really want to say too much about that. Sounds quite powerful, though. But yeah, it's very powerful. And just the the questioning what you're doing and the questioning yourself is a fascinating way of doing it. And I really like that little conceit. The game itself, Mm. if you ignore all that, I looked at some of the reviews of it and uh, people are saying, oh, it's an interesting game, but the combat's not that great and the plot's not really good, but it looks pretty. And I'm thinking, yeah, if you don't think the plot's that interesting, you don't understand and what they're trying to well, do and whose fault is that is who, that whose fault is that yeah 
because because you can get all auteur about it all, yeah. and you know, no, no one understands it. It's not for critics. It's not for players. And at that point, well, why are you doing it as a game? You know. And also, I think it, it has to fulfil a basic function yeah, as a game. It might need to be. Otherwise, for, you might as well have done it as just as a film. Yeah, or a story. It, it might need to be something that you need to have a bit more experience in life with before you can start identifying. Not really going to appeal to. If you to haven't it. asked yourself these yeah. questions, um, oh, you get near a cliff. And um, one Fortnite of the, player's not going to get much out of this. Uh, don't, don't be too critical of Fortnite. <laughs> you get near a cliff, and that voice says, "Jump." Yeah. You know, we, we all get that. Yeah, yeah. But if you don't understand that voice, yeah, it's because uh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you say? Why would you jump? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a fascinating thing, actually. It, it is. Sounds worthy it's, of it's, particular and a good look. Yeah, it's really interesting and really fun. I've had a couple of bugs in it, which is a bit annoying. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's very short, but and the, the gameplay isn't that complex. The fighting sort of it sounds like that okay. all exists mostly to prop up the narrative. There's some lovely puzzles which involve um, looking at things. Mm. Um, um, at one point early on, you're walking through the woods and you see a monster. Yeah, and then you go past a tree, and then it's uh, just a totemy thing. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. A- and also there's other puzzles where you have to reveal different aspects about the environment by looking through rings so if you look for a ring one way this wall will have disappeared okay. or this bridge will be down yeah and then you can wander around and go through but if you look back the other way it goes back okay. and you may need to switch between those different realities to <laughs> which is interesting and yeah. uh, leads to some interesting puzzles but it, what it basically is is almost a walking simulator yeah but with combat and uh lots of psychological examination into uh uh, Self doubt. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's, that sound interesting. Yeah, it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, I'm going to talk about. Well, I, I, I'm going to talk about my failure to bring any video along to, to prop up this show because um, my Thanks my hard disk blew up. This uh, well, blew up and you know, not like flames and big skyrocketing out and everything. Platter in the wall. I know they don't do that anymore, which is a shame. Um, no, it, I died. It did this sort of click, click, click. Well, basically, I was playing something or other and I heard this beeping noise and I thought, what's that? And you know, it's always a bad sign when the case itself is doing the beeping. It's not coming yeah. through, not through the speakers, not through the headphones. Yeah. It's not. It's not like a, a boom alert noise <laughs> coming out of windows. It literally the box is making beep noises it's like okay headphones off let's see all this and there's this yeah i think oh hello that's that's not a good noise in in hard disk happiness terms um on the plus one it's very recognizable (laughs) yeah exactly the diagnostics is pretty easy i think the hard disk's dead yeah i don't know what i i don't know what happened whether it just wore out i mean i did wonder if because i do set it home and boeing net and the world community grid these sort of various distributed volunteer computing projects so i wonder if those because they run in the background and use spare cpu cycles i always thought those hit the cpu and memory more than the disc and, but and graphics card if they use the graphics card yeah. sometimes yeah yeah it's probably not it's probably just just wear and tear i suppose you got that drive when i got my pc it's yeah oh yeah i mean it's, it's, well, so, out, it's yeah. well out of warranty yeah, like that that's well past it four so. or five years old probably yeah so it was a two terabyte uh, Seagate Barracuda. It did did me well, you know. Not 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 slating the company or anything. It, it, it these things happen. So, but irritating. But I've got a sort of dual disk system. The C drive is an SSD that's got Windows yep. on, and you know some, well, of, the, rock solid. some of the some of the u- utilities and bits and pieces I need, I need and use a lot. Things like Mumble and you know whatever. 
<clears throat> so that's all on there. That was fine. That was, that was yeah. perfectly safe. Uh, but yeah, the D drive, that's where I get Steam to put all the games. Yes. Um, I have a drive for that. Too. And I, I manually install. I was, and and I, I was kicking myself because I'm so flipping meticulous about that. I searched my entire C drive for anything to play at all. And I came up with one instance of Factorio, <laughs> which I'd accidentally forgotten to make it go on D when I installed. So, so yeah. Um, Are you aware? Yeah. You can re-download games. Yes. Yes, I am. Because that's what I've been doing for the yeah. last four days. Pretty much solidly. I've been leaving the computer on overnight and queuing stuff up. And I've been trying to sort of re-put it all back on in order of my static group commitments throughout the week. <laughs> you know. So, all right. Lord of the Rings Online. Then we got Neverwinter Nights. Then, oh, I put Warframe on. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of slowly rebuilding it. And then you hit one of those 90 gigabyte monsters. Well, I mean, like Warframe's Forza. pretty huge. Um, Lord of the Rings Online wasn't a small one either. So, yeah. I've been, so, uh, yeah. Went out and, and you know how it is. It's the, I can't wait for mail order. I have to go out now. So, I went to yeah. my local local high street business park computer games computer hardware special stockist uh, of which I there think is you only find one. it's a tv and fridge a shop. tv and, and fridge shop yes that they got all merged in and <laughs> they i think they, they merged in with car phone warehouse and they gone out of business as well i don't know some, anyway yeah. anyway not important but yeah yeah so i managed to get a west, uh, western digital four terabyte job to replace it with because you know if you're going to replace you might as well improve yeah um so that's all in set up and off we go so i was looking around and you know this kinds of events bring the the subject of data security ever to heart yes. um as you <laughs> oh right okay so and were you very thankful about steam cloud saves yes and no it doesn't it doesn't do it for every game it's, no it only supports some games but yes if you if you i think it's on by default or you can turn it on in steam anyway but steam will save your save games for some games to its own cloud modern which, games um yeah um what was I looking for that I, I was trying to get? Oh, I can't remember now. Uh, yeah, something or other, but but not everything. <gasps> not everything does it. But oh. but then also I I, I learned that most go, yeah Stellaris Stellaris doesn't cloud save Steam Steam. Of course it doesn't. No, because you know you don't put yeah. a lot of time into a Stellaris. But does that save on C? That was saved on C. Yes, um, one of the one of the best one of the better things about Microsoft's authoritarian dominance of development is that they seem to enforce a standard of your games must save to the to the users the doc users documents. That's because you may not have any rights to write anywhere else on the yeah, desk. Yeah, exactly. That the when, you know, Microsoft set aside a particular place for applications to yeah. put their data into if they need to make save games or, or save spreadsheets or Word documents or whatever they all go to your documents folder on C drive, and that was all untouched. Which means I haven't lost about I, about. Th- 150 hours of X-Rebirth patiently building up a massive empire and I haven't and that lost ultimate replay the, <laughs> the, I haven't lost the uh, massive uh, Stellaris game that I've got in progress because I really think I would have just lost the plot if I'd have had to start again you know this time it wasn't Stellaris's fault they didn't invalidate the save game format but I just destroyed it myself I I, I think yeah that um, there is a trick being missed here with automatically backing up saves. Yes. Well, this is the thing. When I bought my hard disk, I also bought a one terabyte external USB plug-in drive. Yeah. Because I thought, right, well, what I could do is just keep copying my C user's Microsoft document folder across. Microsoft actually has a decent save, a decent backup system in Windows you don't, for that, well, which I mean, will automatically copy your you can, your documents over. I suppose, but it's just it's just File Explorer copying a file yeah. across. I mean, you can do incremental stuff. Turns out RAID 1 mirroring is not a thing in Windows 10. 
It doesn't do it innately. I mean, I yeah. presume I could find some third-party thing. Because I toyed with the idea of getting two drives and setting up some sort of raid thing, just because I was ultra-paranoid about data loss at this point. But actually, just an external disk and copying do the folder. Do not be across. paranoid about data <clears throat> loss for easily replaced data. It, yeah, not... Well, I, I did lose my where I put all my photos and video for my hiking and, and holidays and oh, things. I, and that's, that's a shame. That's gone. I mean, some of the photos are still on the, ca- on the, on the, on the phone. The video... I, 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 I didn't just purged all that video yeah. I'd given to you, because I need the space back on my phone so you've got the only remaining copy of my my, my week two hiking yeah so do not lose it or, don't mind upload that to youtube at some point yes that would be good this week probably yeah yeah but um yeah and then i also i got a bunch i got a little 16 gig pen usb stick and i built a system recovery disc which i hadn't previously done because yeah. i thought well okay okay d drive's gone oh no all my game installs have gone but yeah annoying but not the end of the world but what happens if my c drive went and i'd be at the creek frankly because windows do it all as recovery partitions on the drive it's same drive yep <laughs> that's so stupid the whole point is if your c drive goes it's going to lose the bit that's got windows on and the little bit you reserve does, on the far does end does the recovery drive save the product key i don't know i literally no idea what my product key is there's no sticker no. on the side of the case no anymore. you don't know anymore cause... no no presumably the recovery disk is just enough operating system to get me onto the internet and then i'll have to go and download and stream yeah. it all down I don't actually know windows as a service mm. i mean uh, i just miss i really miss the days when you'd get a cd with windows on it with your pc you know because at least then you can bootstrap yourself back up from nothing if it all goes wrong again. But no, you don't get any of that anymore. No, here's your OEM recovery partition on the same mechanical object that's died. It's okay, you can download it off the internet. How? Yeah. I, have, I have an utterly blank PC that doesn't even know what its own its own hard disk is, let alone flipping Mac min- internet. Mac can download a copy of MacOS from inside the BIOS. Well, I imagine the BIOS for a Mac has a lot more sophisticated gubbins inside it, yeah. Uh, anyway, long story short, I had a bit of a... Mind you, I, it didn't slow me down very long. I was out of commission gaming for... Uh, I fired up my Xbox 360 for the first wow. time in about two years. That was that was quite fun. Well, now you moved up to the uh, <laughs> having a HD TV. <laughs> got the TV that can support it, yeah. Um, yeah, I got... Not a proper HD, an older HD TV. Yeah, I got all the way through the intro of Mass Effect 1 and then got bored just about where it starts to let you have control and use your character. So. Oh, that stupid planet. Yeah, Eden yeah. Prime, yeah. And I didn't realise it was actually doing New Game Plus on me as well. I thought, bloody hell, these are a bit hard. It's <laughs> level 51 drones coming in on the first thing. Anyway, so yes, I, I back up and in action. And in a way, it's quite liberating because I, before I my PC you know, disc died, I had about 30 or so different games installed all with abandoned half-finished saves on that I, I felt I really ought to finish at some point. And now that's all gone. Yeah. And I can start a clean sheet. So I've reinstalled all the stuff I'm doing static groups with, obviously. But yeah, from here, I think new games... New things to talk about. So, yeah, and I'll, I'll be look, just looking around and probably buying a couple of the things I've been putting off and looking forward to getting on with for some time, like Witcher 3, Fallout 4, hey, Witcher 3. Dishonored 2, Prey. I'll be mean to have a look at that as well. Prey's good. Yeah, I need to finish I'm a huge that. fan of Arcane Studios, everything yeah. they do, so I need to get around and actually You'll buy some of their stuff. You'll never look a coffee mug in the same way. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but there's all sorts of games I've been meaning to get around to playing, and I haven't really gotten around to yet. But now I can, because my, my, my table has been swept clean by, by the vagaries of mechanical disc yeah. failure. It's all good stuff. What are you done with the platters? Uh, I don't know. I've just put it in the pile of other discs I'm too paranoid to throw in the trash. <laughs> Seriously, I've got about four or five old hard disks there that I don't have the capacity to utterly destroy down to the atomic level myself, and I'm too paranoid to let anyone else try and do for me. So, not that there's anything particularly incriminating on there, but yeah, things like online banking details and things. Mm. It's just, you know, you don't want to throw hard disks in the trash, that's asking for trouble. 
Oh, it's to dismantle them and take the platters out. That's a way of doing it, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you hear all sorts of terrible, terrible, terrible stories about what they can do with disc recovery these days, yeah. forensically. You know, you can shoot it with a 12-bore and they can still piece it back together and get your blinking Windows key off it or something. Anyway, maybe I'm ranting. Do you want to talk about a thing? I'm going to talk a bit more about Warhammer 40,000 Inquisitor Marty. 40,000. 40,000 Marty. 40,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a stupid name for a game. Which is the Diablo alike. Um, about oh, yeah. Inquisitor so you talked about a bit about that previously. Yeah. Uh, it's released. It, it was <laughs> early access, but not very long. <laughs> that's the spirit. Early access of less than a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's released now and actually has a full campaign, which I okay. haven't finished working through yet. Right. And I've been playing it way more than I expected to because I'm really quite enjoying it. Yeah, cool. Um, I'm playing through as the bog standard easy mode uh, uh, crusader type inquisitor so not the psychic one and not the slippery one so there are difficult difficulty levels in, well, no, there's, in the there's classes different type, well, just different gameplay styles yeah. I suppose uh, and so I've, I've been um, switching out between a guy with a shield and a chainsaw mm-hmm. or uh, having a bolter and just shooting everyone or for one glorious mission I used a heavy flamer <laughs> flamed everything <laughs> it sounds fun but it sounds like it's the sort of fun they have to try and keep under a tight leash with limited ammo and that kind of <laughs> no, thing. no no no, no. just go mad with it it uh, overheats uh, after a while but uh, I, I was, had one um, plot mission which I needed to defend someone and I was doing terribly at it so I got hmm. my flamer out and did it with the flamer ah. and it was so much better did you set fire to the person you were trying to keep like, no luckily ah, you can't well done <laughs> I didn't manage to set fire to myself <laughs> time, so. uh, good. as a, a alt mode where it's an area effect burst oh god you fire a ball of fire is weird. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, yeah. I really enjoy the game. Um, they appear to be supporting it as well. There's events okay. which are the usual. Uh, if you kill five thousand people, that's very much weekend. a staple of Diablo Three, isn't it? The yeah. seasons and different things come up every now and then. But that, time yeah. limited stuffs. Which yeah, that's interesting enough. But there's also after you finish the plot, it goes into this mode where you've got. Uh, um, a uh, sector and you've got uh, different levels of um, unease in them and you're trying to get that down and things okay. which I haven't explored yet but uh, sounds so interesting it gives you something to do past the plot so a little sort of almost empire management yeah. light thing going on as well yeah mm. and uh, at the moment it's all chaos and mm-hmm. traitor guardsmen right um which is interesting, uh, but you know, how many times can you see an Ogryn with a grenade launcher before you get a bit bored? But they're <laughs> going to be adding in uh, Dark Elder or Drukari, as I know now, which always makes me want to think of Vic and Bob. Drukari. Mm. Uh, as in um, shooting stars type Drukari. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, which is now ruined it for everyone else who's listening. Cool. Uh, yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's fun. There's enough variety in weapons to keep it interesting and going. To do a good service to the material. And it the does, fans yeah. Fans of 40 are going to like yeah, it. it. Yeah, it, it does feel right. And, you know, you, you start by building up a little um, group of people on the bridge of uh, this rogue trader ship that you've uh, appropriated. Okay. So then you get a admec guy and a tech priest and a bastard. Mm-hmm. Navigator guy. So it uh, sounds like familiar game concepts. But, it very but much new is. and interesting in the context of it yeah. being forty k. Um, yeah. the, the the places you go to are all you know obviously the same tile sets. Yeah, uh, yeah. But there's enough variety in there to keep it sort of okay. And you know you are doing the only so many things you can do 
most of them involve killing people uh, and killing more, which we have, killing yeah. lots of people. And well, it's fine. It's fine. That's what you want. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you, you go to a system. You'll have a list of all the different missions you can do against your different power levels. There's nothing wrong with like repeating tile sets and stuff if the basic gameplay yeah. is fun. And and I'm finding it fun enough to keep playing it and to hmm. keep wanting to do stuff. And yeah, I'm I'm currently still leveling up. I'm trying to get to the point where I'm past the plot, which. I'm probably going to end up doing it in the next couple of days. Mm, yeah. Uh, and then I can start doing the uh, broader stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I, I I think that I'm going to finish the plot way before I get to max level. Uh, more specifically, up to the point where I hit the level where some of the things in the guild I created can be done. Okay. Uh, there's a How to Murder Time guild in the EU region in it, which I've created, which no one's in. <laughs> so, because uh, I've not told anyone <laughs> about it. Ever. Good. Yeah, uh, right. it just seemed like a sensible thing to do. So, yeah, what, what, uh, what, have, what does it have in terms of online? Is it, is it it's co- got co op stuff, yeah. It's got co op and it's got some PvP. This is all like online internet matchmaking stuff, yeah. 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 Um, I believe you can just pull people into your missions okay. and stuff, but I haven't done and it that's yet. So, friends list managed through the I, game I or would, through Steam? I or? don't know. I haven't okay. done it yet. Oh, you don't have friends? In, mm. I don't have friends. I don't mm. like people. It's true. Yeah. So, yeah. If, you, if you want to uh, uh, join, have a look in the EU region when you're looking at the uh, uh, cabals, I think they're called. Right. Uh, and um, it's the obvious one. Cause it's do do it PvP or is it not really? Yeah, there's, a, P- there's a PvP bit as well. Okay, yeah. Uh, it all unlocks after you get to a certain point, of course. Yeah, so yeah. When you start off, it looks like there's hardly anything there, but then stuff. You have yeah, to learn cra- the game yeah, first. But yeah. then crafting unlocks and yeah. Um, yeah so there's a good sort of pace of introducing yeah. the mechanics as it goes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's really fun. I'm really liking it. Cool. And it may well be that rarity of a good uh, 40k game. Mm, mm. Well, yeah, they're, they're very hit and miss, aren't they? They're very <laughs> the more games workshop, than hit. Games Workshop licences. Every, every so often you'll get a Vermintide or a Martyr, yeah. and then and there's a whole load of terrible turn, turn-based strategy stuff that's not doesn't really click. Yeah, cool. Um, I Well, let's see, I was playing Stellaris, uh, and still am, because I just ch- I checked today, my save game's still intact. I'm doing well. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm slowly claiming large chunks of the galaxy with my, my uh, Imperial knockoffs. Um, yes, I've, I've, I've got a hang of wars. I've, I've, I, it's basically, it's all about the little chess game during a war. So you've got a certain Empire naval capacity yeah. score and, and each ship is so a corvette is one point um destroyers are two points cruisers are four points and so on you build up and use those points up to build up fleets then each stack has its own particular small stack smaller stack limit just they're, they're just desperately trying to stop people doom stacking around the game with this, of course. this, this mechanic yeah so you just have lots of smaller doom stacks that you all move together yeah. um a wall of <laughs> doom wall yeah exactly uh and but the en- the enemy empires will be doing something similar, and you check on the the various uh, relative power sort of race relations list as you can sort them by power, and it tells yeah. you if the, or their navy is inferior or superior or whatever. So you get some idea of who to attack when. When then, yeah, you can go to war and have at it. And this whole war war declaration thing is getting a bit more intuitive. It depends on the reasons for war as well. If you just I mean, if you just fancy some of their empire, then you have to go through all this claim stuff. But if they've declared war on you and are like uh, so fanatically xenophilic that they want to just exterminate you because they can't stand you existing then you're allowed to go crazy in return oh. and I, I got quite lucky early on when uh, a neighbour who was about two thirds the size of me and hates all other life decided to uh, do, declare a war of extermination on me and I fought them off and then took about two thirds of their empire before they go oh no that was a mistake sorry and then did a bit of a surrender so that was good and you accepted the surrender uh, well it forces you because you still oh. have your own war fatigue thing going on all the way through after a while you it will auto 
accept any offered surrenders if because but so when between the time they surrender and the, between the time and the time your your people are fed up with being at war you get you have to race as much to claim as much <laughs> extra stuff as you can so that was good so yeah that's going well and I'm, I'm starting to become a galactic power and i'm starting to find the only alliances and federations of empires are a threat now rather oh. than any individual threat. That that, that's well that's a problem i've been read, trying to read up on various forums and stuff about the game and it seems that it's really difficult as a as a non-aligned solo solo empire to to face off against federations because once they form they, there's no real game mechanic to sort of divide or split them apart oh. they all they will all automatically all declare war against you at the same time yeah. that sort of thing so you just have to outgrow them and try and do it that way i suppose and then beyond there you've got the fallen empires and ascendant empires and so on these are like super powerful npc empires that don't really do much but will utterly crush you if you sort of annoy yeah. them that sort of thing and they're usually only about three or four star systems and they start with a vastly overwhelmingly powerful Navy Venture, you can creep up and get to their level and have a go at them. So that's going well, and I'm very pleased that my save game still exists because I can carry on with that. I'm not sure I really have the energy to start a fourth proper go at Stellaris again <laughs> this close together. So that's going well. Uh, yeah, it's you. Um, got anything else? Have I got. I can talk about Lotro if you like. You can talk about Lotro. Right. So <laughs> it's anniversary time in Lotro, only it's not. Now, Lotro do this weird thing is that they do all most of their festivals, they do the Spring Festival and the Winter Festival and the, the, the Talk Like a Pirate Festival and all, you know, basically the usual plethora of MMO excuses to do the weird time limited events. Only they decide they do them twice. They have this encore thing. So yeah. the, the Yule Festival was in May. We saw that. Um, they re ran the Spring one, I think, just now. Um, summer one's coming up, but the, the anniversary one, which I think is. It's actually nearer May and May or June or March. I don't know. It's much earlier than now, but for some reason they'd run the anniversary again. So I was in there and I thought, oh, fireworks, all right, I'll have a go, you know, waiting for something else to happen. Yeah. And I got kind of drawn into it a bit, you know, like I do. Yeah. Because I looked and I thought, oh, well, I only need 40 of these tokens for the special horse skin. And I thought, oh, I could go with that. Yeah. And I only need to do like, and yeah, and I got the horse, and it only took me like three eight-hour sessions to, yeah. to earn, the, earn the tokens I needed. Uh, it's, it's starships again, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's yeah I, I think I have some kind of psychological problem. But um, yeah, so I've been doing a lot of that. But also they've been running the sort of... Every every anniversary, they add another set to a series of every year anniversary quests. And so the, this year there are 11 of them, uh, and they involve going to faraway places and seeing things you haven't seen in a while and finding particular monsters and killing those again and doing and following a whole series of tasks based on individual members of the Fellowship of the Ring and so on. So, like, year one, it was about Frodo, and you'd have to go to Bag End and look at a thing, go to Rivendell and look at a thing, and so on. And, and doing all this stuff earns you the tokens and special cosmetic rewards and stuff, and, and, and I got really sucked into it all again. And basically, I'm up to speed. We've done all 11 years um, over the last two weekends. Oh. Yes, yes, it was quite hard going. <laughs> Did you get a spaceship? No, no spaceship, which was disappointing. Got a golem mask, actual mask you can put on your character's head that looks like golem. It's it's a bit meta, frankly. Um, but yes, I don't, I don't like it. Them? I don't know. <laughs> you must have some some hitherto un, uh, unknown fan club. It's yeah, yeah. It's I mean you could possibly raise questions about broken immersion at that yeah. point, but especially on the roleplay server, um, I don't know how those people reconcile any of this. But oh, I've quite enjoyed being sent all around the world. But the problem is they 
do these anniversary events and send you on places that are relevant to the members of the Fellowship all the way across the entire three-book trilogy? And, of course, now they're down to Mordor and Mer- Northern Mirkwood and Lake Town and stuff. That means that a lot of these t- supposedly accessible quests that anyone can have a go at involve going to, like, well, yeah, Gondor or Mirkwood. Or, yeah. Yeah. And, and if you're a newer player, you're not really going to have access to any of that because that also forces you to have bought XYZ expansions. Yeah. Anyway, there was a big uproar, and so they ended up introducing a second line of these quests, which are cut-down versions that only have you going around Eriador which is the Shadows of Angmar content only uh, and those are much shorter and that was the series we did so I can't imagine do, what doing the proper set's going to be like but you do get a whole at the end of that um, we got all sorts of various uh, I got a little sandcastle for the yard of the house that I, I actually bought a house again because we got all this furniture you got to put it yeah, yeah. I know I'm getting so involved this was only supposed to be a laser focused go yeah. through the story and then out and, and, and it's I've just gone completely Native. Is there a guild? <laughs> it's the same guild as before. Oh, is it? Okay. Hobbington Crescent are back, yes. That all got basically transferred with the last remaining people to move between various servers. I think Multi had it with him when he transferred to that server. And Anyway, yes, it's the same guild, um, but we moved the kinship house and everything. Um, yeah, so I'm quite looking forward to getting back on with the main story. We're at the point, having finished the Mirkwood expansion where we're starting on the Isengard expansion. So we got a lot of make-busy travel around the world to various rangers, all in the original content, and telling them to get on with it. It's Grey Company time. Head south. And then we're going to finally go off to Enidrath and down to Dunland and Isengard. So that'd be nice. Because I've not seen those. I've seen those on one character once about three, four, five years ago. So it'll be relatively fresh and relatively yeah. new, and I'm looking forward to that. And we're going to be starting that next week because the anniversary will have gone away again. Uh, and I think we've only got about two or three weeks until the summer festival starts. And then yeah to do more things uh, I can't remember gathering flowers I think I can't remember what the summer events are there was lots of launching fireworks for the anniversary one well, you yeah. stand on a hill near Bree and you have to hit the right colour the bloke at the front announces which firework you got to do and there's like a little toolbar and you have to press the right colour it's really really stupid and mindless and easy unless you're colour blind in which case you are screwed <laughs> uh, seriously the bloke at the front says now launch a firework which is red and you've got this little little special t- toolbar tray with four four explodey icons that all look identical except the colour ah. and, and if you're if you have if you have bichromatic colour blindness like eight percent of the male population do, uh, you're going to have no luck telling the difference between the red and the green firework, and you're probably going to stuff that event up consistently over and over. But there you go. Some people just yeah. don't take that thing into consideration. So yes, anyway, uh, Lotro still going. Uh, I'm not quite sure why. Yeah, compulsion just, just at this are. point. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, do your spill. No. No. Oh, what did you learn this week? I learned that it's faster to replace the entire back end of a race car than to change the settings on that back end. Okay, and I learned that I should back more stuff up to external mm. sources on my hard disk. <laughs> Computer never lasts forever. It's not a safe place. Mm. Yeah. Go to handlemotortime.com where there's the feed for this show. Also, all of the old uh, Van Hemlock podcast episodes are there because I got asked that during the week um, so if you want to listen to any of the old ones you can of course wow. and of course there's the videos on YouTube why is somebody asking about the old episodes because um, they were listening to them why do I, I got this premonition about some sort of legal action wow statute of limitations <laughs> fair enough uh, with that we'll see you next time goodbye